0: Welcome to the Mind Virus Podcast.
1: Welcome, welcome, Podcast Morning. Here we sit across the table once again. Yeah, we're back. Uh, Welcome back, dear listeners. Today's
2: Monday, April 11th, 2022.
1: Now that we've done all the good discussion, let's start the (laughs) podcast.
2: If you'd like to hear our unrecorded conversations, you can join us on Patreon. (laughs) And you can be invited to the bunker.
1: Maybe we should do something like that. For a $10,000 a month subscription, I'll let you sit in. (laughs) (laughs) But it would be kind of fun to have a
2: group conversation, don't you think? Yes, Bobby, I do. The problem, though, is our listenership is... Fast dwindling. (laughs) It's me and you. I I know I re-listen because I often will load up the podcast and think... What did I say?
1: Are we down to me and you and Dr. Nick? Maybe Whitaker?
2: Hey, everybody.
1: That's all that's left.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe. We do
1: appreciate your comments, guys. Thank you. Uh, we had some listener comments on the last one. Oh, I play the radio too. John out there, he's, uh, he's listening. He says, everybody should go into the apocalypse nicely quaffed. That's a quote. Who said that? Me or... You did. I think I said that because you had gotten a haircut. Yep, you did say that. That's another one in the, for the t-shirt library. Yeah, uh, Dr. Nick points out, he says he's a big fan of uh, Q&S featuring Mr. Bond. He's referencing Quantum of Solace. Mm-hmm. On the subject of water, you've got an often forgotten water storage solution already built into your house, your hot water heater. For most houses, that's at least fifty gallons right there. Not very mobile, but if you're hunkering in, something to think about. Good point, Doctor Nick. You can tap the water from your water heater if you need to. It's got most of them have a little spigot at the bottom, a little drain spigot. So another
2: uh, one I've heard of is um, just filling your bathtubs up.
1: That's right. In fact, there was a company making a product like a, a big plastic water bladder you could put in a standard. Are they five-foot tubs, six-foot tubs? Those little ones that, you, right. that tall people can't really lay down in? Right. Um, I've, I've never handled one of those to see how well it might work. But the idea is you realize trouble's coming, so you fill up your bathtub with about 50 gallons of water and use that too. That you would use. So you could fill your bathtub up, which is one thing, or you could find one of those products. I don't know if, I don't know if they're out there. Maybe I'll, I'll look for it later today. I'm sort of resolving to try to stay more focused on the conversation. So I'm not going to like aimlessly <laughs> browse the internet while you're, you're talking or while I'm talking, Sorry, try what? to stay, try to stay on
0: target. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you seen
0: this latest TikTok? What were we, what were we talking about?
1: Well, uh, I'm uh, Jordan Bruno, and I, across the table from me here is Bobby Flood. We are your favorite podcast hosts on the number one podcast in the country, the Mind Virus Show. Which country? Uh, uh, Altoidistan. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, down here in the, it's it's on a whole nother level. It's a uh, below the surface in the underground of of this building here. But uh, yeah, mindvirus.show on the web. And we do love your comments. Thanks, thanks guys, for commenting. I think we even had some comments. We, we, we were getting in the habit there of uh, pointing out our, co- our listeners' comments. Uh, Pepe Lepeud, Dr. Nick, TBM, and Whitaker also commented on the prior podcast entitled Woman, which has a salacious graphic of a woman a uh, Vitruvian woman, not the Vitruvian man on our, uh, on our website there, if you care to look. I thought that was kind of a fun podcast. And did you like, did you not love the graphic I found for episode 67, What This Is, where it has the dinosaurs fighting the aliens underneath the spaceship? I thought yeah. that was an, uh, a gem of a find Yeah, that might be an actual photograph from the coming apocalypse. A a future photograph? Yeah. Okay, I I saw (laughs) it and thought it was historically uh, some sort of a relic. But uh, (laughs) yeah, Tyrannosaur and then alien fighters, pterodactyls, and their spaceships. It's pretty cool. Anyway, how you doing? Um, Pretty good, pretty good. Just, uh, just... Sitting back and watching the world burn. <laughs> well, we had spring break last week, right? The kids were, yeah, home. Um, it was conference weekend. Before that, not yeah. last week, and we got Easter weekend coming up yeah, this week. Yesterday was Palm Sunday,
2: right? We don't really, we don't really give a lot of attention to the Holy Week in our church culture, but a little bit. Yesterday was Palm Sunday which what what does that make today is this does this monday have a sycamore
1: monday thing you have yeah, ash pine, pine tree monday ash
2: wednesday coming up is that right
1: i don't know I don't, the holy week I'll, I'll look this things up yeah you can you can find out the days of the holy week of course the idea there is to commemorate the last the events leading up to the crucifixion uh, giving up the ghost and resurrection of our Lord, Jesus Christ. It's interesting. John says he gave up the ghost, which, you know, a lot of people talk about his death as if he just sort of died. I think I'm kind of of the opinion that he just let it all go. He's, he said, I'm out of here. Yeah, he I says, it is I finished, think. which was, uh, you know, a triumphant shout. It is finished. I have won the race, essentially, is what he's saying. I, I, I've conquered, uh, finished, um, gone to the utmost end, and then he gives up the ghost. You, did you find the events? I'll find the Greek translation there.
2: Yeah, so Holy Week. I was wrong. The Ash Wednesday is something else. So you have Palm Sunday. That's the Sunday before Easter. That would have been yesterday. Then you have Holy Monday and Holy Tuesday. The days between Palm Sunday and Monday, Thursday are known as Holy Monday, Holy Tuesday, and Holy Wednesday, also known as Spy Wednesday. The gospel accounts are not always clear. This is all according to Wikipedia, by the way.
1: Oh, so Or yeah. an
2: agreement on the events which occurred on these days, though there are traditional observances held by some denominations to commemorate certain events from the last days of Jesus Christ's life. Among them, on Holy Monday... Jesus cursed the fig tree, cleansed the temple, and responded to questioning of his authority. On Holy Tuesday, some observe Christ's predictions of his own death, as described in John 12, 20-36, and John 13, 21-38. Holy Wednesday, also known as Spy Wednesday, because on Holy Wednesday, the story of Judas arranging his betrayal of Jesus with the chief priests is remembered. Uh, and then you've got Maundy Thursday, M-A-U-N-D-Y. Maundy Thursday, also known as Holy Thursday, commemorates the Last Supper. Uh, Lent concludes and at beginning the Easter, uh, Easter triduum at the, at the dusk, where Christ lays out the model for the Eucharist or Holy Communion. And then you've got Good Friday. You hear about Good Friday more often. Good Friday commemorates the crucifixion of Jesus and his subsequent death. Commemorations of often solemn and mournful. Many denominations use Good Friday to perform the stations of the cross or other commemorations of the Passion. Uh, And then um, Holy Saturday or Black Saturday. And then you have Easter.
1: And Easter, of course, is when we commemorate him rising from the dead, rising out of the tomb, mm-hmm. retaking his body was the day that they, the apostles and Mary and other women, he showed himself to the women first. That should tell us something there. What does it tell us? Well, I don't know. If, are we allowed to talk about how screwed up we are here on this podcast? <laughs> like in a, in a we're religious allowed, sense. <laughs> we're not allowed to talk about Bruno.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We can talk about Jordan Bruno, but not Bruno. Not Bruno Bruno. You know, the issue of women, divine women was we we hit on that
1: around Christmas time. It was brought up in general conference in the ladies session. Do we call it the women's session or the ladies' session? It was called Ladies' Night. Ladies' Night. Live from Salt Lake City, it's <laughs> ladies' night. Ladies' night. Live from the conference center. Get your tickets. <laughs> Sunday, Saturday, Saturday, Friday. What was it, Friday? It was Saturday. It was Saturday night. Yeah, I think uh, that it was you called the women's If session. you haven't been paying attention, before church was canceled in 2020, for a long time, um, they had revamped the whole men's-women's thing And for
2: years, Saturday night was the priesthood session.
1: Did you not have like a tradition to go to priesthood session with your dad? We absolutely did. We, we, um,
2: when my grandpa was still alive, it was grandpa, dad, me. Uh, my brothers. See, the thing was... There was for a, the... usually hamburger and milkshakes involved. Oh, yeah. There was always good fun. And, and there was... You could drive around looking for a restaurant and every restaurant had Tons crowds of, of white shirts and ties around it. It was kind of a, yep. a neat little... It was a good tradition. Cultural um, you know, quirk about... Here in Utah. Utah. Yeah.
1: Here, here in the Intermountain West, and that's probably, a huge thing.
2: It probably was really good for the restaurants too.
1: Well... I thought it was good for our family and for for me and uh, everybody involved we would go since I was a little kid I looked forward to getting together with my well that sounds like I would come over to the house no when I was when I was a little kid I looked forward to dad taking us out afterwards that was a big deal and you know he thought it that important that he he made a big deal out of it and then um later on when I had left home I looked forward to getting together with the relatives that would come we we would have more than just uh i mean we would have like uncles and yeah friends and stuff that would show up of course the the fact that of course the fact that dad was buying everybody dinner was maybe a part of the draw
2: yeah i remember when kind of carrying on the tradition when my with my own boys and my my dad was out of the country at the time and my grandpa had passed away so it was kind of um a, a lonely or smaller group, but but carrying on that tradition, and then you know the tradition was changed, As right? A, a, you know, a, a, like a, I'm not
1: I'm not saying this is a doctrinal thing that needed to you know, it was a tradition, but I I liked the tradition, and it, it used to be that you would go, you would need to go to a stake center to see the broadcast, right? It was a closed circuit type of a thing that it created a com, a, a community. It, cre- it helped to create that sense of community and you'd get together, you'd have to put up the chairs, take down the chairs, talk to everybody. Some of the people would be rushing out. Do you remember how, cause you had the whole crowd that would leave right before the prayer and right. they were looked at as apostates. Yeah. <laughs> and then the people that, that ran out right after the prayer, they were just sort of looked at as, uh, uh, what would you call them? Slackers because they weren't helping to put the, to chairs, put the away. chairs away. And then there's everybody else that, that dutifully waits in line to get out of the stake center. And then has to wait in line at the restaurant because they didn't bolt fast enough. We
2: usually did the dinner before. We'd oh, get, wow. You guys are smart. We would go out like at 4.30 or 5, get the dinner. The meeting would start at 6, go that, until
1: 8. A, a full belly doesn't help in a dark room with, a drone, with droning <laughs> voices like... Right. When I was a young man playing football and, uh, and I was on an airplane and off by a matter of a few degrees and you know no actually elder Ukdorf had uh, some really fun in the lead up to the end of that tradition Ukdorf was kind of the star because he would get up there and he'd say something like and maybe he said this in in the regular sessions too but he'd say something like he'd tell a story and he'd say yes you're now asking but but Elder Uchdorf, what does this all have to do with flying an airplane? Well, he, he, he had a twist on that
2: this, in this latest conference, in that little, uh, um, would you call it a bit that he does? Yeah. But he said, today I'm going to talk about something that everybody understands and relates to and has experienced in their lives, something that is very
1: commonplace, flying airplanes. <laughs> and of course, everybody laughs because it's, it's... Yeah, now it's become a joke. But yeah, when he was in the first presidency he spoke a lot and so that that would come up from time to time. But anyway, we'd go we would go to the stake center, you'd as as guys, you'd get you'd get the guys all out there doing something religious, which was sort of unique, right? To have a bunch of guys out there paying attention to their spirituality to their to their religion, to their traditions, you know, trying to at least make the appearance that we're trying, right? <laughs> Because generally in culture, it's the women who are more, at least on The Simpsons, that's the caricature is that the women are more into it than the men. And I think that The Simpsons usually has a pretty good pulse on reality. And the future. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, ha- having the guys come out and do stuff is <laughs> not such a bad thing, but I think I'm not sure exactly what the motivation was here. I know we probably got a, some orthodox folks out there that might take issue with me saying this, but I think there was a little bit of a caving to to pressure that the uh, that the patriarchy was too strong, and the men have their own meeting, and so they're not giving enough uh, equal play to the women, and 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 then we stopped. The the first thing they did is they stopped having it. Broadcast just to the stake center, I think, because they didn't want, because there were there are groups of women out there that were starting to pull stunts, like show up to try to be seated for the priesthood session, mm-hmm. and they they don't like that it's a closed meeting. And what was funny is it, there was no secret about what was going on there. You could watch it later. Right. You you know, and, and and as a if you're a young man thinking about women trying to break into the priesthood session, you're going why in the why you can have my spot you're thinking why didn't my dad buy us dinner before like bobby's instead of afterwards then i could be sleeping during you know i mean like literally most of the men there are going you can yeah you can come sit where i'm sitting but well that was a
2: joke in our family would come home and mom would say well what'd they talk about and my dad would say
1: secret secret things secret things <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just sort of absurd that that it looks like we caved to, to that pressure, and th- then they stopped. They stopped uh, making it exclusive to the steak center. So instead of having to make uh to make it a uh, what's the word I'm looking for, instead of having to be deliberate about it, mm-hmm. instead of having to put on your shirt and tie and go. You could still do that if you wanted. Yeah, but then nobody. I mean, but that was that that was it. That was when they st- when they stopped making it exclusive to the stake center. That was sort of the the last straw. There, the last the last breath. Uh, it ended, breath. The, it ended it, very it ended quickly the after that.
2: And then, and then, yeah, and then.
1: So and you then, could. Uh, it was like one or two conferences, and then all of a sudden it was like, you know what? We're only going to do this once a year, and we're going to put the women women's conference in, in its place every other six months and and I'm not saying the women's conference is bad or anything, but as far as guys go, we lost something there. Well then they announced during all
2: the COVID stuff, they said we're no longer gonna do a Saturday session at all. And then a uh, conference never occurred before they changed back. It said, ah, on
1: second thought we'll we'll have the Saturday That's right. session. That's right. There's a there's a little bit of a history to be written here. Of the last several years. Do you
2: remember the first conference uh, after the lockdowns, April 2020, they had two youth speakers? I don't remember that. They had two youth speakers, and it was really strange because you would think that you know, President Nelson would stand up and like, what a great job by our youth speakers. That's the first time ever that youth have spoken in general conference. And I don't think he said a word about it. Was it the first time?
1: I don't think, I think I remember it. Maybe it was young people but, speaking. And then but it was more like a sat, were these Saturday's talks? Cause they, I, I don't, I don't remember the I session. doubt they put them on Sunday,
2: but it was just like, oh, well that just happened. And then we haven't had youth since. And it's never really been talked about. And I've always just thought, a trial run? Yeah, and then the youth did a good job. I mean, there was a, a young man. you imagine man having to be the guy woman?
1: that or the girl that had to speak in general conference? Yeah, well,
2: anyway, just one of those little you to things. Did learn to
1: read from a teleprompter? N- never really, uh, hasn't been revisited or even talked about much since then. Did they have to practice the general conference voice? <laughs> When I was a young man two years ago, I had an experience in middle school—no, elementary school—that brought me closer to the church. So, what are we talking about today? I'd like to quote a scripture quoted by the prophet oh, in we, 1981.
2: We have to we have to finish our thought that sent us down that. So the the topic, Easter, it's Easter weekend. The topic of Heavenly Mother was explicitly oh you totally came right back to the, that was the in the women's that conference, was the, the women's that session going, in the women's session this year this is, time it was elder renland said that heavenly mother exists that is a doctrine of the church but we don't pray to heavenly mother and i i thought okay is that a thing is that is that is there like some kind of underground movement of people praying to heavenly mother that it would have caught their attention it was like one of those things i thought does that even need to be said but i guess it does
1: well i guess we're going to go there and talk about it on the show we weren't we hadn't planned on this well being holy week bobby do you pray to the mother (coughs) no
2: no i pray to the father in the name of jesus which is the scriptural instruction
1: what is prayer
2: that's a good idea that or a good question but Let's let's back up one second. If
1: Heavenly Mother came to you, Bobby Flood, clean your room. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say I've been instructed to not speak with you, Mom? Could you please run this through the authority figures? I don't want to get too glib about this okay. topic, but well, I think that it's fair game, okay? Because no, they brought it up, no, and, and I, but I think it it and I, it. Joseph Smith, okay, going back to the King Follett discourse, his last conference address, he says the grand secret, the first principle is to know that you can converse with God as one man speaks to another or mm-hmm. as one son speaks to his mother. If I were to make a rhyme out of it or a rap. <laughs> <laughs> as, as a son speaks to his mother or as one man speaks to his brother or as one man speaks to another. Go read the King Follett Discourse out of uh, I read it. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith. That's the, that's the version. There are a lot of different versions. Maybe I will post. I was reading it again yesterday. This is a topic of which I have some knowledge, and there, mm-hmm. there, are, there are many different versions of notes, and there, there are, uh, because this was a speech Joseph Smith gave, that ran about two hours and we have about a half hour 45 minutes worth of material from the notes of uh some of the people that were there it got uh published edited by joseph fielding smith and put into teachings of the prophet joseph smith later on and um you can find a a version where they put the 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 different sets of the notes Side by side, so you can see what some of the different interpretations were based uh, of what he was saying real time, and then see what the finished product was that we got years later. And so I'll I'll put a link up to that on the website for people if they want to see that. But uh, yeah, I I have that. You told me about it, and I
2: paid good money for it, and it's well worth it. Oh, okay. It's not
1: cheap. Well, I've got a PDF I can share. Well, I've got a nice hard. You bought it? Yeah. You bought. it's a thick book version of it
2: with all these different annotations and notes. Okay. I'll show it to you after. Yeah, we let's are have done a look here. at it.
1: But but there's one there's a, there's one just with, of the notes that are available that you can just find in a PDF where it lays them out right yeah. next to each other. Anyway, prayer. What what is prayer? Well, well, we're off. Let, let's we're back tangent let, off a tangent let, here. Let's back heavenly, up a mother, bit. Let, heavenly mother, heavenly mother, heavenly mother.
2: Let's back up a little bit because I think the Hail Mary, the, the divine. Hail Mary. The divine feminine is something we've talked a lot about in the history of this show, right? As was we've analyzed different movies like The Truman Show or uh, Free Guy.
1: You're right. So we have crossed the line. Does that mean we need to stop? No, because I think uh, uh, it's, um,
2: you have truth and you have wisdom. And we've often, and it's not our idea, right?
1: It's an ancient idea that wisdom is feminine she is greater than fine rubies she is a tree of life read proverbs right. chapters 3 and 8 she was there in the beginning when the when the father architected the cosmos that's the end of chapter 8 in proverbs
2: so this is yeah this is not a unique thing for us to talk about i found i found it interesting that it was taken on so head on in in such an official way because usually our Church, the LDS Church, has kind of tiptoed around that issue, and I'm not saying it's good or bad. I just think it's interesting that it was taken head on in the women's session. So it was secretive; it wasn't meant for for us to hear, right? <laughs> if we're taking this, if we're taking the same, the inverse of the priesthood session, right? If we're taking the the same uh, logic that the women that used to try to disrupt priesthood session, Why don't they used, call it the priestess session.
0: Well. They're not priestesses yet, I guess. Okay <laughs> Okay. you know, there
2: was some there's we're getting a little bit into the weeds as far as like our oh we're totally cultural in the weeds. cultural quirks and, and oddities, but I think most of our listenership is is neck deep in those weeds, too, but there's always speculation right every the end of March and the end of September there's always. Speculation as to what they 're going to do at the next yeah conference. well if
1: you're if you're listening to the podcast and you 're a traditional christian you 're going w t f the Mormons <laughs> believe in a heavenly mother, which shouldn 't come as a surprise uh, if if you 're just a traditional Christian listening to this podcast for the first time, it might come as a surprise, but if you 've been listening to the podcast you know obviously, as bobby laid out we've we've addressed these topics and we find the the divine feminine in literature everywhere. We find it everywhere, especially Mm -hmm. in the ancient world. So there's a little bit of a blackout in modern or let's say post-Nicaea Christianity. Right. There was also a blackout. There were two great apostasies. The first was the one that caused Lehi to need to precipitously depart from his homeland Jerusalem because it was about to be destroyed and that's all documented in the Book of Mormon it's very interesting that the Book of Mormon really does track well with historical events there Uh, Hugh Nibley gave gave a great defense of the Book of Mormon in his uh, work uh, an approach to the Book of Mormon in the 50s last century and um, it used to be the priesthood manual they would use for a while anyway uh the point is that the religion of the hebrews was dramatically changed at the time of lehi another author who's not mormon that talks about this extensively is margaret barker dr margaret barker a methodist scholar in england she's written extensively about it and one of her books the the lost prophet talks about the the enoch material that was taken out of the religion and uh, her book the older testament talks about changes to the old testament and the older hebrew religion and and its temple cult so there is good evidence that and 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 this is another problem with biblical scholars is a lot of them become agnostic or unbelieving because they start to look at the record and they realize that the jews that were destroyed that were scattered Heavily redacted and amended the record into what we have now as the Old Testament, that there are problems with it. and this I think if you're if you're a long time listener to the podcast, this isn't the first time you've heard me spout off on the subject, go read Hugh Nibley's book, Enoch the Prophet, the Third chapter, Enoch as a Theodicy, and he talks about how the stories of the garden and the flood are nursery tales, and they not ought not to be accorded the literal the status of literal reality that often gets uh, saddled on them in in, in modern Christianity. We, w- he says, we ought to put off childish things and become adults and, and recognize the symbolism and the metaphor. They're good stories, but they're not perfect, and they're and they're also uh, they they were never meant to be taken literally, and they uh, are clearly they they don't track with any any historical record. It's it's hard to reconcile them and a lot of the old testament with history especially as we we find more and more evidence of what was really going on in in pre destruction so in first temple scholars will talk about it as pre destruction or pre exile or pre diaspora or first temple the the first temple holy land that means before solomon's temple was destroyed or before before the jews were Scattered in about 587, uh, there were a few different events that led mm-hmm. up to the scattering of the Jews. The big, the big focal point was the cleansing of the temple in 623 BC by uh, King Josiah, and he's often called Good King Josiah. But you need to realize Josiah was essentially orphaned at a young age; his father was killed. His father's name was Amen. Amen, of course, is the name of the father god in Egypt, and so there's this tug of war between Egypt. And the and the the new monotheistic Deuteronomist religion that was emerging. This is what Isaiah was warning about. He he was clearly seeing this move going on in the in the 700s B.C. But Ammon was assassinated by zealots when Josiah was a very very young man, and he was assassinated. they suppose, at least from the records we have, that it was because he was wavering back towards the the older hebrew religion which was more like the egyptian religion it had a father and a mother figure and a son and a daughter figure and it it had some distinctions about the the personalities in the heavens the pantheon and they were not happy with that they killed him and then josiah was groomed to be this king of israel he died at a young age in a war but everyone Everyone likes to call him, at least in you know, popular modern Christianity, Good King Josiah, because they cleansed the temple, and this is the tradition that comes from the Jews. Remember, the Jews are only one twelfth of the house of Israel. But so why do they get to say everything that the house of Israel is and was and and did? Well, it's because the Bible or the Old Testament came through them. But all of that, all of that material was written well after this big, huge debacle in 623, the temple is cleansed. And according to the Book of Mormon, then prophets came into the land and warned the people that they had wrecked the religion and that they were going to be destroyed. And Lehi, he acknowledges that and decides to leave. He's warned. He tries to call the people to repentance. He's warned. And then Jerusalem is destroyed according to the historical record in the late in the in the early it would be the you know right after 600 BC maybe I think it's 587 is when they were destroyed that sounds according right. to records and then all bets are off for for uh the the tribe of Judah remember they they often especially in modern culture they get associated with all of the house of Israel, they are not. They are one twelfth. They're just the last remnant. They happen to be where the Lord came. They happen to be the only people wicked enough to crucify their God. Okay, <laughs> you see what's what the problem is. Remember when He goes to the Samaritans, the woman at the well, that story in John ends with them all converting because they're, they were they were hated by the Jews because they kept up elements of the older religion, but that older religion helped them to recognize Christ when He came among them. The Law of Moses stuff that, that had been perverted by the time of Christ, that's what caused the Jews to, to crucify the Lord. That's how bad they, they lacked the ability to recognize their God. And so there's your, there's your first apostasy. The second great apostasy of, apostasy, of course, comes after the apostles pass on. Uh, that's Hugh Nibley writes about this. He, he entitles the article, When the Lights Went Out. And then you get uh, the events leading up to the the first ecumenical council at Nicaea, and then there were several other ecumenical councils over the next many hundred years where they decided on what would be the doctrine of an orthodoxy as they standardized the the, uh, Christian church. And contrary to what a lot of Mormons learn, it was not the Greek philosophers that caused the doctrines of the orthodoxy. It was the Judaizing Christians, those that brought back... All the elements of the apostate Jewish religion and merged it with this new Christianity that the Lord had established, that's what caused this apostasy. Would you call that like revelation by committee? <laughs>
2: By the way, The Divine Feminine is the fourth studio album by American rapper Mac Miller. Okay. <laughs> released on s- September 16th, 2016 and features guest appearances from Kendrick Lamar, Anderson, Pac, Ty Dollar Sign, and Aria- Ariana Grande. That
1: sounds really interesting. Um, <laughs> the-
2: Be careful what... Uh, see, see, that's the... The that- greatest
1: hits of the Alan Parsons project also has an interesting <laughs> cosmology in it because you've got... You've got the, this Egyptian eye of Horus thing and then Sirius, which is the dog star, which is always associated with the woman, and eye in the sky, you know, mm-hmm. looking at you, I can read your mind, you know that one? And then he's got a, he's got a song they call La Sagrada Familia, which in Spanish or in, in Italian, I don't know, is the sacred family. So these, these are not, I mean, this is stuff that's been debated and talked about for all time. And the thing is that you need to recognize there was an orthodoxy that took center stage, that took the, the, the main bully pulpit, the, the mic. And, we, and that's what formulated what we, what we consider to be now, in, even in Mormon circles, acceptable discussion. Something interesting. Uh, we need to finish. Um... Oh, and you said revelation by committee. Let's say let's say there's a difference between revelation and inspiration and yes when you get a committee together interesting things occur I didn't make up that phrase you can google it
2: um I thought it was interesting I've lost the link here uh let me look it back up so elder renlins the one who gave the talk right okay yeah we're back
1: to whether we should pray to heavenly mother well and I'm not sitting this here, is all I'm one, not advocating that you pray to Heavenly Mother. I hope that this is you're all, not hearing that from me.
2: So he brings that, he brings that subject up, and he, he says, you know, we do, not, we do not pray to Heavenly Mother. That's a direct quote. We do not pray, and do not pray to Heavenly Mother. And then this next paragraph is interesting, and I think it's worth discussing. He, he says, I'm just going to read it, and we'll we'll go from there. We're going to go where? <laughs> where are we going? He, I, well, he says, Ever since God appointed prophets, they have been authorized to speak on his behalf, but they do, now, they do not pronounce doctrines fabricated of their own mind or teach what has not been revealed. Consider the words of the Old Testament prophet Balaam, who was offered a bribe to curse the Israelites to benefit Moab. Balaam said, "If." The king of Moab would give me his house full of silver and gold. I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Latter-day prophets are similarly constrained. Demanding revelation from God is both arrogant and unproductive. Instead, we wait on the Lord and his timetable to reveal his truths through the means that he has established. I just found that an interesting reason why we don't
1: Speak much not pray or know to Heavenly much. Mother? Not that we don't pray, but... Or talk of her? Did he say not to talk about her or just not to pray to her? <clears throat> and he says it to the women. He says earlier
2: that... He says very little has been revealed about Mother in Heaven, but we, what we do know is summarized in
1: gospel topic found in our Gospel Library app. Mm. So I would, I would I mean, amend that. Like if it were me giving the talk, I would say... Very little has been discussed about her in there, modern times, there is a go- but th- there is a multitude of information about her in the ancient record.
2: There is a gospel topics essay. Remember those? Yeah. Called Mother in Heaven. There's an essay called Mother in Heaven. Did he refer to that? Yeah. That Well, the, the talk has a footnote at that point, and it, and it links to that
1: or the... Bible,
2: or not Bible dictionary, but the uh, topical
1: guide. So let me get this straight: you were l- sort of longing for the old days, and because there wasn't a priesthood session, you were listening to the women's session, and then you no, I didn't. Heard this, I, I was. Or I, was this online chatter that you alerted was al- alerting I, uh, you to this?
2: I did not see or hear the women's session in real time. I was doing Saturday things. So you were being a faithful man
1: and not <laughs> listening in. I went out to, to dinner women, in a white the... shirt and
2: tie. Anyway, no, <laughs> I. But I had just heard. Oh, yeah, you know, Elder Enlund talked about Heavenly Mother, and that that piqued my interest. I thought, well, I'll yeah. have to go read that talk. And well, like, it's a it's a hot topic.
1: It's a, it always comes up. Like uh, a couple of the September six in nineteen in the nineteen nineties, they uh, were excommunicated ostensibly for having gone too far on the Heavenly Mother side of things, right? And maybe there's a maybe there's another
2: little influential group like that i don't know but i found it interesting that he would say basically you have to just sit around and wait for any more information and i mean I, I don't know that sort of flies in the face of if any of you lack wisdom let him ask of god um so i guess that's something that each of us will have to kind of work
1: out on our own The the heavenly mother stuff gets associated with the feminist movement like uh there was a lady uh Lynn whitesides that was excommunicated in 1993 was she one of the, the su- she was september one of the, 6 she was one of the six yeah and i think there there was another lady uh lavina anderson and, and um, another one maxine hanks they they get branded as feminist theologians or whatever
0: i i um
1: I think the Heavenly Mother side of this is very significant because well, uh, well, uh, there's, some, there's something, something here where the women are feeling underappreciated in the church, I think is the point. <laughs> and they see this, uh, this topic as a way to learn more about themselves, right? Because we're created in the image of God. God created... <clears throat> man in his own image male and female create created he them so mankind or humankind if you don't like the idea that we have a man on the front of it by the way women out there the word man is inside of the word woman just fyi it's inescapable <laughs> you're a, you got a man and you're a whoa man woman well you remember uh i i'm not a biologist well but uh it's all it's, it's all explained in the movie. So I married an axe murderer.
0: Hmm.
1: <laughs> anyway, there there's something here, and I, I think w- we all long for understanding about who we are. And I think that's there's a, there's a gap that that women innately feel that it's like okay, I want to know more about my divine heritage, which would mean. The mother in heaven, and so let's talk about her.
2: Right. But we talk about her by not really talking about well,
1: her. Well, generally what Officially. they'll say is, is she's, too, she's too sacred, don't talk about her. Right. Well, they, okay, so going back to the Jewish apostasy in the 600s BC, go look for Asherah, because Asherah is the name of the of a divine feminine figure in the hebrew religion the ancient hebrew religion not the jewish religion but the hebrew religion and she was symbolized in the temple by a tree and they would they had forms of worship where they would worship in groves right and go go look at all the references in the old testament to cutting down the groves and rem, and removing the asherah and getting rid of the asherah from the religion this was i guess what i'm trying to say is that Deleting, removing, erasing the divine feminine from your religion is one of the big signs of apostasy in the two big apostasies. That's what the Hebrews did. They gutted their temple. They got rid of her. Now, in defense of Mormonism, we never, we're never we starting from a position of not having her in the discussion. So Eliza R. Snow is sort of breaking ground in her hymns and her discussion when she says, you know, truth is re- and reason, truth eternal, tells me that I have a mother there also. In, in the hymn, Oh, My Father, and the discussion about her has gotten some momentum in Mormonism. But but we're starting sort of at ground zero because the, the culture at the time of Joseph Smith had ex- had her excluded through no fault of its own, just through tradition. She's not in the pantheon. Or is she? Do we bring up—is this a good point to bring up
2: the infancy gospel that we've talked about we before? We brought that
1: up. I, I'd rather talk—I'd li- I'd like to talk about the Numa because— you know, I said um, I had I had quoted. Um, I didn't quote it, but I was talking about when Jesus gave up the ghost. Mm-hmm. See, see, this is important discussion. We we have a Godhead, and this is this is like this might get me in trouble. So, Bobby Flood, you can distance yourself from Jordan Bruno here, but the Wouldn't question the first time. The question is, the question is, is it is the divine triad does it consist of three men or does it consist of two men and a woman uh i mean traditionally it's father son holy ghost
2: Well, who is the holy ghost well that's yeah we've always assumed or or just sort of operated under the you know uh, assumption that it is a a, a male entity. Sp- a male
1: entity but, a personage of spirit but it's a personage of spirit without a body right so, so in, that would make him well, also in lectures on faith, uh, well, in lectures on faith, Joseph says that, and they they don't want to attribute this to Joseph, and this is why they took the doctrine portion of the doctrine and covenants out of the doctrine and covenants in 1921, which is lectures on faith. It's the doctrine, by the way, friends. Um, that's why we call it doctrine and covenants. If you get a 1835 a copy of the 1835 DNC, you'll see that the lectures on faith is listed as the doctrine section, doctrine on the theology of the Church of the Latter-day Saints, and then you get to the next section, which is Covenants or Commandments, and that's why we call it Doctrine and Covenants. So we literally have published since the 1920s a book called Doctrine and Covenants that doesn't contain the doctrine. Now, there's some doctrine. It's not the doctrine but, that Joseph but, Smith was calling doctrine. But you're right in the sense that, yes. And they, they like to make this argument that Joseph Smith didn't write the lectures on faith, so it was okay to remove the lectures on faith because... Um, he didn't write them and they're not really scripture but in the 1835 doctrine and covenants he and the rest of the first presidency signed their names to a statement that says they believed this book to contain the leading items of the religion they professed to believe in so if you if you read the the intro and 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 the introductory statements to the 1835 doctrine and covenants clearly Joseph Smith signed off on everything that was in the book especially the doctrine which he was he was influential in editing while the other guys were editing The other guys were editing the commandments part. He was editing the lectures on faith. They were pursuant to his teachings at what we call the School of the Prophets in Kirtland. So this is what he was teaching the inner circle, right? And the lectures on faith is a little weird. I've gotten that feedback from family members. Well, it's weird. It's got this catechism at the end of every chapter, and it's kind of, okay, well, but it's the leading items of the religion Joseph Smith professed to believe in, I guess, if you want to dismiss it, like... (laughs) like the committee did that took it out of the scriptures in 1921. Well, anyway, the reason I'm bringing this up is a tangent to, to explain that in the, in the lectures on faith, in lecture five, Joseph says that the Father is a personage of spirit, the Son is, a, is tabernacled in flesh, and that the Holy Ghost is the mind of the Father and the Son.
0: Which is really interesting mm-hmm. because... In, the, in some of
1: the Gnostic texts, the mother is referred to as the proto-noia, which in Greek means the first thought. And if you get back to number theory, you have the, the, the father is represented by the number one. He's the great creator, the point, of, the point of inception. And then number two is the mother, and number three is the son. Number two being the first thought or the first division of. Intelligence. Now, I'm not saying that the father created the mother or whatever. They're co-e- According to Doctrine and Covenants section 93, all intelligence is co-eternal with with it, uh, the other intelligences, right? But there there are ways that this has been described going way back. And she is right there, and she is the first thought. She's the. Fir- <laughs> it makes sense if you're a, a guy. Once you kind of hit a certain age, the first thought on your mind is the woman or a woman, any woman, <laughs> you know, there, there's something very instinctually accurate about this whole thing. And I don't, I don't mean to debase the father and the mother. When The first thought that he has is of course far more pure than the first thought some teenage, teenage boy is having. But, uh, but I think it's built into us for a reason because we are supposed to emulate that creative pair. Dude, and- here's how it's, here's how it
2: is in the, in the, in the actual lecture on faith. And you're right. But here, here's how it's written. And he being, he being uh, Jesus Christ, is who he's, who he's referring to right now, he being the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, and having overcome, received a fullness of the glory of the Father, possessing the same, the same mind with the Father, which mind is the Holy Spirit, that bears record of the Father and the Son, and these three are one, or in other words, these three constitute the great, matchless, governing, and supreme power over all
1: things. So remember, Joseph Smith is teaching people who had a very, very rigid view of Christianity. People would say, well, if, if, if what you're saying is true, Mr. Bruno, why didn't Joseph just come out and say it? Well, I'll remind you that in 1844, when he did really clearly start to talk about the nature of the Godhead, very clearly, he was dead within two months. And it was the, the Navu Expositor <clears throat> lists as the primary reason why they were upset with him, the idea that he was teaching the plurality of gods. And his defense of that came in his, his very last sermon called the Sermon on the Grove, which was the last, it was rained out, it was only about 30 minutes long, but he defends his teaching of the plurality of gods by saying, I've always taught the plurality, pr- plurality of gods. You believe it too, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Three different people. But they, you know, still the idea of this amorphous homoousius, same but different Trinity persisted, Sp- still persists. But- later, later, on in lecture
2: five, you know, the, the lectures have these Q and A's, right? Right. Question fourteen: What is this mind? The Holy Spirit, John fifteen twenty six. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of Truth which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. Well, but, uh, yeah, the, pl- the plurality, that, that, that's the beginning, the opening, like...
1: And it does use he. It does say he. The opening... But that's just the tradition, is that God is always this masculine.
2: The, the opening third of the King Follett discourse is he talks about the first sentence in the book of Genesis, right? Being plural. And how it was altered from the head... Of, of the gods gathered the gods together to whatever it is now. What is it now? In the beginning, God created. Yeah, man, you know, I don't even remember, but but yeah, that was that was revolutionary at the time. It's revolutionary still, and it's still something that is kind of tiptoed around in our culture.
1: Well, in the LDS uh, official culture, it is, but in all in all of our psyches and in our literature, the woman is ever present.
2: Well, yeah, in our, in our secular literature, our pop culture, our, our movies, our novels. Mm-hmm. I mean, you
1: got Lord of the Rings has the divine feminine. Well, that's the huge attack on the family right now is to try to divorce us from our, that resonant heritage, that pattern, that reality that we all feel and know very deeply on a subconscious level.
2: Yeah, it's interesting when you look at, if you look at these ideas and compare them to the world and what's going on culturally right now. I mean, right now... There is a very strong, and we've talked about this in the last couple of weeks, very strong, if small, I think it's a small movement, but it has a ton of weight and a ton of voice to eliminate gender completely, not just to, you know, Mm -hmm. feminism was sort of traditionally was was to empower women, right? To give women the same rights as, as men
1: enjoyed. Like and vote, then, ironically, know. it ends up destroying women. <laughs> right. And,
2: it, and it's come to the point, and you had voting rights, and I think those were all good causes. And yes, of course, women should vote and women should be able to own land and, and all those types of things. And then it became sort of a pay gap thing in the 70s. And I know I'm glossing over things here, but today, the pinnacle of modern secular feminism is the literal destruction of
1: Women. It's uh, William Thompson standing at the top of uh, the winners' podium in the national championship uh, freestyle. Yeah, or swimming race, or that fellow from Pennsylvania
2: being named Woman of the Year by USA Today. Yeah, that, that guy, that Health and Human Services oh, guy. That guy's so ugly. <laughs> well, of course he's a dude. It's the old State Farm <laughs> joke. Well, she sounds hideous. Well, she's a guy. You know, it was this whole, those old joke, you know, where he's, you remember that commercial? The commercial was the original Jake from State Farm. Jake from State State Farm is black now, but the original Jake from State Farm was this overweight. I'm, I'm vaguely remembering this. Pasty white guy who was a customer service rep for State Farm. And there's this customer at home and it looks like it's late at night and he's on the phone talking to Jake from State Farm and his wife comes in. Enraged that he's, she thinks he's doing something naughty, like he's on the phone with uh, a Jake's, a, hot, Jake's a a guy,
1: and and he's a fat white guy, and
2: she's like, "What are you wearing, Jake?" And he's like, "Khakis," <clears throat> and he's like, "She sounds hideous." Well, she's a guy, <laughs> you know, and it was a great ad. It was really people loved that, and it became a thing. And and Jake from State Farm is now like the spokesman for State Farm, but they made him black. I don't know why they couldn't just give him a new name. You know, they could have called him john from state farm or something but they replaced him and it's neither here nor there but the the point is it wasn't that long ago that we could make jokes about a a woman and and of course jake was a guy but you could make jokes that a woman about confusing men for women yeah and the woman that sounds like a guy must sound hideous and you can't do that anymore they couldn't make that they couldn't release that ad today And you see how fast and how rapid this is all unraveling to the point where just talking about, even, you know, our own, (laughs) our own moron governor can't, can't, uh, distinguish between men and women or refuses to, he's in trouble again. Did we talk about his use of pronouns? Was that, did we talk about No, I haven't heard about this. What? (laughs) I think it's relevant a little, uh, but a video came out from last year where he's like on a Zoom call with some high school students and he, he says, you know, yeah, my pronouns are he, him, and his. And, and he's getting a lot of flack for that. And uh, C- Tucker Carlson, who has taken a liking to to <laughs> <pin-yot-ing>, <laughs> S- skewering <laughs> Cox, uh, addressed it. But yeah, he's getting, Spencer Cox is getting a lot of flack and pushback, as he should. And he says, well, in, you know, in his defense, you know, and I'm not saying that it's a good defense, but what he's saying is, I'm just trying to be inclusive and kind and it's like no you are you are feeding the beast this this beast based on lies it is it is lies and it's a it's a symptom of mental illness and you're either suffering from the illness yourself or you are giving it the credit and the credence and the seriousness that it does not deserve you're feeding into this like it's absurd you know we've talked about how absurd this whole gender bender dysphoria thing is, and, mm-hmm. but the, I think that the deeper, darker, sinister element of it is the elimination, the complete and utter elimination of gender and sex, meaning our, our biological sex, and our di- ultimately our divine natures, which when you, when you get rid of that, you get rid of the divine, you get rid of God. Well, how, do you, how do you destroy people? You take away understanding of who they really are. Right. And you make, you also, you make that understanding, you make what that really means into something crass, into something uh, profane. There's, you know, we can't be like God. We're not like God. He's, he's either non-existent is one argument, and you're a delusional idiot if you believe it, or you can't, you can't ascend to that. How arrogant, How, how arrogant of you to think that you could eventually
1: be like God is today. That, you, that there's something divine within you that, that can be developed, that you can, you can progress and, and change and expand your mind.
2: Right. Yeah, how arrogant. And, and that's what, in the King Follett discourse, Joseph's right off the bat. He talks about plurality of gods and then
1: our ability— to, to do what God does and to become there, there that. There is a lot in our modern society that is attempting to take that away from us. The whole climate movement, climate protectionism, is, or climate alarmism is a, is a humanity bad, earth good type of a thing. Let me ra- remind the listeners the earth was created for us, not to waste it, not to be terrible stewards of it, but... It was, the purpose of this creation is for the testing, the development, the, to test the loyalty, as we've discussed here on the show, of the beings here, to prove yeah. us herewith and see if we will do all things whatsoever the Lord our God will command us, instruct us to do. Take that as a personal, person-to-person instruction, not a you-must-follow-what-I-say-God's-commandments-are. You, you get your commands directly from God. Right. It's Abraham chapter 3. But uh, sorry, I've got to throw this in. the 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 destruction of society is just a hop, skip, and a jump away because we are really this is like the Jaredites at the time of uh, of the confunding of the languages. Like we're literally in the in that space where we're destroying our minds by destroying our language. Uh, I heard from a, some college students over the weekend that they had proposed that they're getting the, the the gender pronoun thing is a big thing, right? And so they had gotten Canvas to insert a bunch of additional pronouns just to show how absurd it was. And then one guy was saying, look, my pronouns are I and me and mine, <laughs> which that's what I think, you know, if you're, ever, if you're ever forced to divulge your pronouns, you should say I, me, and mine, because that wrecks everything. Right. Then whenever anyone talks about you, they have to say I, me, and mine, which is a confundation the to the nth power. The pronoun sickness is is
2: really prevalent in corporate America and in education. Education. I have friends at work in uh, you know corporate settings, in like
1: HR, and and it's innocent to say that that my pronouns are I, me, and mine. They are. Yeah, those are mine. <clears throat> I saw people. Uh, Sorry, I catch you off. You you have well, friends. I, I, you're going
2: to tell a story. They just, they work in, in one of them works in education. One of them works in, you know, in corporate settings and they have, I thought you only had like, are these your two friends? The tri, what was it? No, these are, these are a different triangle, but they live outside the state. So I don't see them very often, but okay. we, we speak digitally over the internet okay. quite often about these sort of things. But, and, if you're listening, I don't. I don't. What one? I brought up the podcast the other day with one of them. He says you still do that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, um, he's not listening. And, and
2: uh, the other is an evangelical Christian, and so I, I would be curious to know if he's still listening and what he thinks about, because he's fairly fi- familiar with uh, LDS culture and doctrines. Because you know, the two other points in that triangle are me and another Mormon. But anyway, they, they they will share slides and things that they are that are jammed down their throats in trainings and you know if you're you, you, a lot of a lot of these groups and teams and organizations use communication software like Slack or Skype or you know other chat rooms and they're being forced uh, in some cases to put their pronouns in their Slack username so it would be like you know which is absurd. It's just absurd. So you you'd have to display that and of course <laughs> I can't even describe how dumb it is. And, you know, and they push back a little when they can. But it's prevalent. It's really prevalent in all of this in these these two worlds. You may not see it if you don't work in a in a large corporation or if you're a, you know, a work for yourself or but it's <clears throat> That's why I call it a small but influential movement, because I think most people are like, this is stupid. This is dumb. But it's being, it's being ramrodded down our throats. And so, of course, you have someone who has no principles, no guiding, no founding principles like Spencer Cox saying, yeah, my pronouns are he, him, and his. People were clowning him saying, no, your pronouns are one slash term, <laughs> <laughs> things like that. But it's, I think it's, there's an underlying darkness to all of this, and as we've discussed. It's a destruction of, our, of the divine nature of, of each one of us. And that's just a continuation, right? That, that's not new. The destruction of our divine natures has been ongoing for a long time. Basically, the history of the earth is, is that. But it's accelerated over the last 20 years, I think to the point where now we can't even you can't even talk to each other using normal language like man and woman you have an influential intellectual cabal who will is unwilling who is unwilling to go on the record with the definition of woman how is that not a destruction of woman how does that just that just undoes all all the good things that feminism has ever accomplished to now it's like Women don't have the right to vote because women don't exist. I mean, it, it just, it's just it's 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 like Buster Keaton level of absurdity. Who was a great physical comedian, by the way? Okay, <laughs> because he couldn't tell jokes because he was in the silent film era,
1: <laughs> so he made physical jokes. <clears throat> well, yeah, <clears throat> uh, we're we're clearly there how long this goes on before dramatic changes occur is is anyone's guess i feel like i feel like there's a lot there was so much we could be talking about right now like the is the hunter biden laptop thing gonna blow up i mean if they if the media switches to an anti-biden stance watch out because this pendulum could swing back hard core and we could be in an authoritarian right wing type of a situation pretty quick. Well, we, uh, or maybe some sort of a, uh, melange, uh, mixture of statist authoritarianism from right and left. There's a
2: lot of strange things happening in the world right now. And one of them, as we've talked about for the last hour is this destruction of the human, of, of humans, of this, the, this, the yeah. destruction of, you know, our, who we are, it nature sounds like you're man. About, it sounds like but, we're
1: about ready to change the the subject here. I did want to add one last thing about Easter before we move on if you're... Yeah. Are you about ready to change the subject, Bobby? We can We can
2: move into more uh, current event type things. I think it's all related. Well, I, here's what I wanted to say. I think I it's all say.
1: intertwined. Here's, here's what I wanted to say, because I brought up the Holy Spirit, and I brought up the Lord having yielded up the Spirit, right? you really really everybody out there ought to be wondering what is that what is that life breath within me What what's powering that or who who is giving me that life right mm-hmm. and in in the old testament it doesn't talk about holy spirit much it uses wisdom and wisdom is feminine and In the New Testament, we talk about Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, and in the Book of Mormon, it sort of bridges the two. Spirit, ghost is sometimes used interchangeably, sometimes maybe for different things. In Egypt, there uh, were... Egyptian religion ought to be given an interesting look if you're LDS. I mean, we do have the Book of Abraham. We have some very Egyptian stuff in our scriptures. We're the only Christian you know, major Christian denomination that I'm aware of that has Egyptian scripture mixed in with its scripture. But that's all interesting, maybe a subject for another day. In any case, in Egyptian religion, you had the soul or the the, the person is divided up into, there are many, many different parts of the soul. There's the the name, the shadow, the the uh body the physical body the spiritual s- spirit body or the spirit and then there's the higher self so you have the da ba and the ka that's the body the spirit and then the higher self and these these parts of your identity are related that that the, like they're governed over by different gods you know some of them are more masculine some are more feminine the ka the higher self is associated with the women it's it's guarded by the mothers or the mother and so uh, higher self or spirit it, c- it could mean a lot of different things it's, it just seems like the the conversation as as the the religious conversation went from the ancient to the apostate jewish to the early christian to the then apostate christian or orthodox christian the the conversation seemed to narrow you know so you have in egypt a, a, a godhead of four great gods father mother son and daughter and then in in the jewish apostasy it's just yahweh and then wisdom is talked about sometimes and then in the christian religion it becomes father son and holy ghost Right. Right, well, that in the New Testament, which is is more recent, we have a little bit better. It's although it's been tampered with, it's still probably better. It's more recent material. The word "Holy Ghost" and "Holy Spirit" are used interchangeably, but the word is always "Numa," and this is what I wanted to bring up because that's what the lord yielded up or gave up. It's in John chapter 19 verse 30, it says he he was given vinegar to drink or sour wine and he took it and he said triumphantly he shouted it uh it has been completed. I've completed it. I've won the race. I I've it, in King James I think it says it is finished. But the word is uh tetelestai, which is a very, it's a uh, declension of teleo, which means to bring to an end, to complete or fulfill. So he's saying, it's often looked at as if they killed the Christ, right? No, he yielded up his spirit. He completed something and then left he walked off the stage. He dropped the mic. And here's where he drops the mic. He says, it is finished. It's completed. I'm done. I'm out of here, boys and girls. I'm out of here. And having bowed his head, he yielded up the numa, the spirit, the numa, The numa is the word that is always translated as spirit, whether you see it translated as Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit in your New Testament. It's always numa there's no distinction and numa means breath or wind or spirit it's the holy breath of life the spirit that life force that thing that's within everybody right and so the holy spirit is a maybe a higher version of that or some sort of a it's this is supposed to make you think about what's enlightening and enlivening you the, the Doctrine and Covenants says, I think in, in 88, that the light of Christ is in and through all things, right? That he's in the sun, he's in the moon, he's powering us right now, day to day. But where does he get his power from? That spirit. It, can it simultaneously be from Christ and also from the mother at the same time? I'm not trying to give the listeners anything definitive here except to make you think more about your God's of your 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 sagrada familia your sacred family your this is what we here in the holy week this is what we're dealing with is a sacred family you have you have the jews who are in orthodoxy who won't speak of the mother for 600 years and they want to get rid of this agitator jesus, <laughs> jesus yeshua this uh, this guy who is no friend of caesar He's a malefactor. He's an evil doer. He's a sorcerer. We've got to get him. Get rid of him. Pilate asks, "Art art thou a king?" Well, if if my kingdom was of this world, my followers would come and take care of this situation. You know, to this end was I born? He was here to do something, right? What what was he here to do? And and he, John's gospel is very very joseph smithian or should we say that joseph smith was very johannian these guys are all about eternal progression about having ascend uh, uh, condescending and ascending coming up going down coming up going down coming up there's this progression that's going on and the progression is from the furthest away the the teleos or the telestial the telos tele is the prefix that we get out of that and um, apply to all of our interesting words like television, telephoto, television, I did you say that? Television, telephoto, um, telephone is telephone. what I'm looking for. Telephone. Uh, all, all of those words have to do with the utmost end or the completion, the finishing of it, the, full, the fulfilling of it or the fullness of it, right? And so we have, we have this progression motif clearly in the New Testament, if you want to look at it that way and, and and look at it differently and the Lord himself he goes to that end and he tells he tells Mary Magdalene when he sees her in the garden you know don't embrace me it's not don't touch me it's don't embrace me wife don't, don't give me a wifely embrace I have not yet ascended to my father you went there <laughs> I have not yet ascended to my God and to your God Right. Uh, why, why do you think? I he, haven't gone home yet. I got to go
2: talk to dad. Why do you think he, he did that? I've, I've kind of, because we, we sort of gloss over that in just Christianity in general, right? Why do you think? That, touch me not.
1: Yeah. Wh- why do you think? You're impure woman, don't touch me, no, I, even though well, I'm appearing to you first and think you're the greatest. Well, I, I don't think, of, yeah,
2: maybe that's one interpretation, but I've, I've, why do, is, there, is there a good explanation for why he couldn't be uh, embraced
0: like that by a mortal? at that time well i yeah it's uh i I gotta find the word here okay so
1: i'm i'm looking for i think it's john chapter 20 because 21 is a sort of an addition to the the gospel of john first day of the week, Mary Magdalene comes early. It's still dark. She comes to the tomb and she sees the stone having been removed from the tomb. And she runs up to it and she or she actually, she saw the stone removed. Excuse me. The Greek says she saw, she ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple that Jesus loved which is of course John that's how John describes himself in in his own gospel and she says they took him away they took him out of the tomb and we don't know where they have laid him there's a lot there's a lot of layered <laughs> there's a lot of layered language here it could really read we don't know where he established himself so Peter runs off they go to find the other disciples and uh Mary Is there? And um, well, actually, first thing that happens is Peter and John. John gets there first. Peter following. They see that the clo- the the burial clothes are there, but he's not. And um, so the tomb is empty. Everyone is mystified as to what's going on and they left and Mary remains. So now we're in John chapter 20 verse 11. She remains outside. It says weeping.
0: That's a that's a word we could talk about. I'm not prepared to really talk about this today, but she's she's looking at the tomb. She sees she sees somebody there, and uh, he says to her, "Woman,
1: why are you crying out?" Well, uh, he's gone, and I, I don't know where they've established him, or where he where he established himself, or where they laid him, or whatever. And uh, she turns back and sees Jesus. Not knowing that it was Jesus, it's not that she didn't recognize Jesus, but she didn't recognize him at first because she was preoccupied with something else and <laughs> thinking that he's the gardener there's there's so much layered language in here, so she, she says why do you why are you why are you weeping Why are you crying out uh who do you seek and thinking that he's the gardener she says Tell me. Tell me where you've laid him or where he's established himself and, and I will take him away is what it says here. Um, it sounds like Mary's not... The What I'm trying to say is that it sounds like in the text here that Mary's not quite aware of what's going on but there are other ways to interpret this that she really is more aware and um, anyway, there's this moment when- of re- recognition in verse 16, and he says, hap to, uh, touch me not, don't don't fasten to me, lay hold of me, touch me, or even the Strong's Concordance says, do not know me carnally. Do you realize that's a possible interpretation of it? Sure, yeah, I've never now, thought that of that. Now that makes but it seem really weird, like, oh, she's all hot to trot and ready to go or something.
2: But why not embrace? I guess is what I'm getting at there. What my original question I've, I've never, have I missed the, a good explanation for that over the years, whether LDS or Christian or whatever? I, I, Cause later on, I mean later on the apostles touch his hands and the wounds in his side. And so I don't know if it's like a, a physical thing like you, uh, a, a mortal can't touch a
1: physical uh, a resurrected being I, I don't know it's just something to well haptomai think on from haptu to, to modify or to change by touching touching that influences is what the strong's concordance wants to say here hmm. and if you th- if you've read any of the um, apocryphal material well not any of it but there there are various works out there for example the apocalypse of Abraham and the ascension of Isaiah describe beings coming from the high levels and condescending or going level by level down and then going up level by level. They have to change their state. Mm-hmm. This sheds new light on the Abraham passages where it says they kept not their first estate. We, we usually look at that as if they um, agreed to the plan. Keeping your first estate was to agree to the plan. That's not, what it, that's not what it's talking about. An estate is a state of being. This is not... See, that's strange language. That should really freak everybody out when we, when we just gloss over it in gospel doctrine and say, oh, this is what keeping an estate means. Because it, it, it's weird. It's, sure. about, it's about a state of being. So he's, he's in a different state of being, and he's saying, you know, touch me not, change me not. I'm, I'm headed out. That right. I think that I think there is uh, energy. You know, there's real difficult to attain. Otherwise, we would all be doing it, right? It, for us to leave this state, we would die, right? To go out of body. Have you ever had an out of body experience? Not that I know of. Jesus did, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, but what what was different about his is that he attained to the resurrection. He. Uh, he took the body back he that's that's different than being resurrected just being being resurrected is different than attaining the resurrection sure he he bought he took the body back so he he left and it was dead and it was clearly dead and then he came back and sees mary (laughs) but his he was now in a different state he having 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 atoned this is another good discussion. What is the atonement? The, the word in um, the New Testament, there are two words that get translated as atonement. Most often it is katalage, which means reconciliation. But sometimes they translate the word hilasmos as uh, atonement also, and that's, that means to make, make propitiation or make intercession for, you know, to pay for, sort of. And so we've, in modern parlance, we've got this idea that atonement means to pay for our sins. But really, most of the time, it means reconciliation. And that's why William Tyndale and others, it was, it, we're, we're not sure if this is really attributed to William Tyndale. William Tyndale, of course, if you're, if you're listening uh, and you're LDS or Christian, you may know that William Tyndale was sort, sort of considered the father of the English translation of the Bible. He was burnt at the stake by the Catholics for a variety of reasons one uh, mostly related to his translation a lot of people want to say his translations riddled with errors but there's some really interesting things that come out of it uh, it ends up being a little more joseph smithian <laughs> he he's more into the the alternative meanings in the in the greek language the word church for example ekklesia he he wouldn't translate that as church and the catholic church was upset about that that was one of the charges they read at his Execution was that he would not translate ecclesia as church. He wanted to translate it as congregation or body of believers. The ecclesia meaning those called out. That when 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 you see church in the New Testament it's ecclesia, it means those called out. So it's it's generally or an assembly. It has it has a secular meaning too. You know, like the uh, the assembly of the Greeks in in political circles, but it's more properly. A non-institutional group in Christian parlance it would have been the believers so it, it relates very directly to the Doctrine and Covenants section 10 verse 65 to 67 where Joseph is told by the Lord this is my church those who repent and come unto me and if you say anything more if you if you claim anything more or less than this is my church you come of evil and you're not of my church go read Doctrine and Covenants section 10 that's 1829 the lord talking to joseph it also jives with nephi when he says there are two churches only this is somewhere in first nephi chapter 11 to 15 there's the church of the lamb and the church of the devil and th- those are the two churches and you're either in you're in in one or the other so we we have developed in post christ times in the in the last 2000 years an institutional bent and leaning towards this idea that there's a there's an institution that is the lord's church and that and that's uh you know we we've, we in lds church like to bring up section one where it says you know you're the only true and living church upon the face of the earth in which i am well pleased but that was the church of christ organized in new york according to the laws of the state of New York, that's a different formal organization than the Church of the Latter-day Saints, which is organized in Kirtland. The Church in Zion, which was what was considered to be Missouri, was Zion. The, in, in section 15, 115, where it names the churches, it says, there are, it says this is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints for which it shall be known. Go read that carefully. It also names the Church in Zion, which by... Uh, for thus shall it be called, is what it says. So the, the, when we see God talking about churches, he has a little bit of a different definition that matches more the Greek, the ecclesia. Anyway, this is a whole tangent on the, on the word at-one-ment, uh, which William Tyndale and others coined in the 1500s to describe reconciliation, katalage and so he comes up with this word at one because the, the book of mormon prophets repeatedly help us understand that we are cut off go look for the word cut off in the book of mormon we're cut off from the presence of god that's the condition in the fallen world having left the first estate you end up in a second estate cut off from the from the cut off from god right <laughs> and you therefore need to become at one you need an at one moment, which is God making it possible for the connection to exist between you and the heavens and and your father, and so so he had just performed that reconnection i mean that that's why all the rejoicing when the Lord was born, they knew this was coming this is the there was a war going on, there was a fall to the world, and it's not like he he rectified the fall. But he made the reconciliation he 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 reconnected the the these this cut off part of the cosmos in a way that if you will connect with him then you can be reconnected with your heavenly heritage your father and your and your mother he says i am the way and the word in greek is hodos it means the way through the cosmos. Uh, early Christians considered themselves followers of the way. I am the truth, aletheia in Greek. Uh, it's alpha privative. They put an A in front of words that they wanted to negate, like impossible or improbable. Alpha, alpha privative, aletheia. I am the non-illusion. The, that's what truth is, the not forgetting, the not Lathea the uh the non-illusion so i am the not forgetting or the non-illusion i am the zoe life not just any life because there's three forms of life in greek you have bios you have zoo and zoe so bios is where we get our word biology zoo zoo the animal life all animal life i'm i'm not a biologist i told you this (laughs) okay well humor me just for a second longer (laughs) and then zoe zoe is the name of eve in greek the woman. Okay, here we are, back to the woman. Zoe is the spark of life or self-existence. Jesus runs around and says, I am, Yahweh, I am, or Ego Emi, I am, I am that I am. He has within himself self-existence, and we, the only way we can regain it, being cut off and fallen, is Through him. So he says, I am the way through the cosmos. I am the non-illusion or the not forgetting or the remembering. And I am the spark of life through the eons of progression. No one comes to the Father except through me. He did it. He completed it. He yielded up the Spirit. He leaves. He comes back. Mary encounters him first. And he says, embrace me not as a woman would embrace her husband. I am about to, because that will change me, I must ascend to my God and to your God. Right. And he does. And then he comes back and he teaches some more. And he says to the disciples before he left, he said, I will not leave you orphanus. I will not leave you comfortless is the way it's translated. But more literally, it means I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will comfort you and 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 the mechanism that uh he he comes through as we're explained as ex, as is explained to us by Nephi in second nephi chapter 32 set 31 32 33 32 is pretty short he says he tells us of the doctrine of Christ which is faith repentance baptism and the gift of the holy ghost or the holy spirit or the holy numa the the Pneumatos hagion this this life force this life breath whatever that is that's the enlivening thing that allows the Lord to, to bring us to the Father, to instruct us, to reveal things to us. That Holy Spirit. Well, what is that? I don't know. I'm not saying it's her, but I'm saying she has something to do with it. I don't know if we can even publish this episode, Bobby. This is like, <laughs> you got me monologuing. <laughs> you got me monologuing, you sly dog.
2: <laughs> no, I think those are all really interesting, good thoughts. And I do want to nitpick a little bit. I, I understand what Elder Renlund was trying to say when he said that. He said in his talk, speculation doesn't bring further revelation or further knowledge. And I'm not sure that that's true. I think it's okay to speculate and to ponder and to think on these things and to study them. And to you, you
1: nibbly said speculation was good, clean fun.
2: Right. <laughs> right. And and so I I don't think that we should. I don't. I don't. I don't think we should just sit idle and wait for revelation by a committee on certain matters. I think we should seek those out. If any of you lack wisdom, let him or her. If any of ask you of la- God.
1: yeah. But if any of you lack wisdom, <laughs> yeah, the <which> capital is- <laughs> W wisdom, <laughs> which- <laughs> she is
2: greater than
1: rubies. Can we read Proverbs? We should read Proverbs.
2: <laughs> but I think that's a really interesting play on words, given the, the all this context. If any of you lack. Wisdom. Well, we we're deliberately lacking wisdom. We're we're deliberately cutting wisdom
1: from the conversation. Ever, ever since the ever since the Deuteronomist apostatized, we are lacking. <laughs> That's because wisdom. They, took, Jordan, they Jordan. They took her out. It all makes sense now. The Deuteronomists were not biologists. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding for the merchandise of her is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof better than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. The length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honors. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and her paths are paths of peace. She is a tree of life. To them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retains her. This is King James. It could be way better if I wasn't just reading the King James here. The Lord God, or let's replace the Father here. There's two ways to read this one. The Lord by his wisdom hath founded the earth. Or you could also read it. The Father by his wisdom hath created the cosmos. And by understanding he established the heavens. Anyway. Weird that she's right there. <laughs> well, um, she's right there. There's a
2: new t-shirt for us. The deuteronomists were not biologists. <laughs> they didn't they didn't know what a woman
1: was. How could they have known? Right, well, they needed biologists back in the day.
2: My goodness, it all makes sense. We cracked it.
1: <laughs> I'm really excited to be talking about this. Since, you know we hadn't we had kind of postulated as to what we would talk about. And then again, once again, we decided, well, let's just jump right into it. But Easter was not on our list.
2: No, we started talking about that once. It just happened. We hit record. That happens a lot Yeah, with us. We start talking about something different than we decided to talk about once we hit record.
1: This is a special time of year. It really is. <clears throat> and I'm just going to say it. Easter used to be... There was a big debate over when Easter should be because they wanted to put it on Sunday. <laughs> it's the equinox, guys. Right. He, ro- he rose on the equinox. He rose according to the heavenly calendar, not your not our messed up earthly calendars. He comes on the day when light overtakes the darkness where you're going to have a day that's longer than the day before it uh, that was of equal length uh, to the to the to the night. It's a very cosmically significant day. He rises on the equinox. And Easter's just spectacular because, in you know, in my memory, you've got the, the, the earth is being renewed. By the way, this is the ancient new year. Mm-hmm. This is the ancient new year. We we celebrate the new year in the, in the winter, but, uh, in ancient times, the, this is the, this is when you'd have the old man die and the young man is born again. And, um, all of those cyclical things restart in March, or on the equinox, and that, and that's the heavenly calendar, right? It, why, why wouldn't God do it on His timing, according to the heavenly calendar, rather than according to the Julian or the Gregorian or <laughs> some guy's calendar? So, but it's okay. The whole time is a special time. It's a magical time. the 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 leaves are are budding. Uh, the flowers are blooming the the birds are back, the kids are out looking for eggs, whatever. It's it's a it's a great time of year when when life is coming back. And it it's very magical in my opinion. And I think it's a, a wonderful time to be commemorating all these things. And we ought to be departing a little bit from our stodgy, stuffy Christianity where the woman is nowhere to be found. She, she's the one that she's the reason we call it Easter. The, the, is it a, uh, Celtic goddess Oester? I can't remember, but anyway, she's followed around by a troop of hedgehogs and she hides eggs and the egg is, the egg is a huge ancient symbol, the, uh, primordial egg from which life springs. Uh, these, these are quote unquote pagan. Do you, do you, did we, have we talked about on the podcast, the, the etymology of the word pagan? I don't think so. I well, do want to just interject. That. Okay, sorry. I've been talking a lot. Well, just, just, just a quick thought to add some
2: flavor and context to, to this time of year. You know, we celebrate Easter and the new life and everything. There is, is currently in Utah a severe winter storm warning. <laughs> so watch out. <laughs> yeah.
1: For, for the Dark,
2: weekend? For the weekend? For today. Oh, just for today. Okay. Today and tomorrow. The, the darkness... Which by by today and tomorrow I mean Monday and Tuesday, but the darkness does not go quietly into the night. No, there's a
1: battle. There's a (laughs) battle raging. That's a really good point. There there is a raging battle for between light and dark that we see played out in the in nature around us all the time. Yeah, I mean that's that's
2: kind of. I I think it's like this in a lot of parts of the world. But when spring is edging its way into winter, there's always like like Friday. Friday, last Friday was 70 degrees, not a whisper of wind. It was a beautiful, mm-hmm. perfect day. And, and now we're going to have a massive storm rolling in. I mean, that's kind of the, the eternal battle <laughs> that plays out in the months of March and April. yeah, Even May sometimes here in, in the northern hemisphere and in the western Rocky Mountains.
1: Well, according, according to the uh, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, the National Weather Service, looks like we're going to have a wet week, and uh, going into the weekend, we're likely to have kind of a cold, wet <laughs> Easter here. Equinox is an interesting word. The Latin roots are,
2: it means equal night, right? Right. Equus. Nox, yeah. And nox. That's because basically it's because it's the time of the day or time of the year when the length of day and night is nearly equal in all parts of the world. Yeah. That's kind of cool when you
1: break it down like that. Yeah. And then the next day when he rises, the light has become greater everywhere. Right. At least in the Northern Hemisphere on the spring equinox. In the Southern Hemisphere, it's the reverse. Mm Mm-hmm. And in ancient myth, the uh, Southern Hemisphere was often considered the underworld (laughs) (laughs) in some cases. Or or, or this world was considered the underworld also. Just the whole world can be considered the underworld. But uh, depending on what the context is, (laughs) the guys in the South would be in hell. Well, the pagans, let me just tell you really quickly about the pagans. Um, The word paganus in latin means country dweller that's where our word pagan comes from it's gotten associated with plurality of gods and uh weird religions but what happened was after nicaea and the ecumenical councils that followed the the orthodoxy went on a campaign of of dominion and and quote unquote missionary work <laughs> right as the once roman now catholic whatever missionaries were expanding and Their form of Christianity is often called Petrine Christianity. It's attributed to Peter. There are other forms of Christianity, Paulian, uh, Johannian, so John's and Paul's version. There was James, the brother of the Lord, who was uh, martyred at Jerusalem. He gets a lot of play when you're looking at uh, early Christianity, as opposed to James of the fame of Peter, James, and John, who, who died very quickly after the, after the Lord, he's not mentioned very much. So when you're talking about Peter, when you're talking about the early apostles, it's, it's uh, John the Beloved, who's probably the most significant, although a lot of people want to put Peter there, because of the, upon my rock, I will build this church, and I give you the keys of the kingdom, as if he couldn't give the keys to other people too, if you understand what keys are. You got Peter, John, You pointed James, to me, and
0: Paul. Keys open things.
2: Yeah,
1: a key... Uh, or it deciphers things. Yeah, is a key the authority to hold a meeting, or does it allow you to unlock hidden knowledge and uh, open the heavens? And is it possible that someone else has that, that ability besides just you? Uh, anyway, those are sort of the different flavors of Christianity, and Catholic Christianity gets associated with peter and they have been the pr- most prolific they were in orthodoxy they they wanted to make sure everybody uh adhered to their version of christianity and that's that's where you get this very
0: stringent
1: uh rigid the idea that that that's what religion is is this this stringent rigid adherence to certain certain principles and john's john's uh, version of christianity which was spread up the coast of uh, southern france into portugal spain and up into england and was more compatible with the celtic people that were there was more of a spiritualist spiritual you know get in touch with god type of a thing and that's that also was more is more associated with pagan religions well anyway as as Peter and John's religions were stored or or their flavors because Peter and John were not in conflict as these flavors of, of the religions were spreading John's first. And then Peter's uh, catches hold again. It's not Peter's, but the orthodoxy catches hold many hundreds of years later and starts to try to take over. Uh, They would have far more success in the cities because that's where you had more political clout and the people of the land or the country dwellers the paganus he was uh more apt to hold to his pagan gods his his rich panapoli his rich pantheon or his rich family of gods rather than just this one amorphous trinitarian god of a of a guy that's father son and holy ghost simultaneously and so so that's pagan became a pejorative and had a negative connotation because they didn't like these they they were considered weird strange uneducated pagans and the word demon also evolves out of this conflict because daimones in greek means uh, somebody who is of heavenly quality and so the hosts of heaven the angels and the other gods ended up being pejoratively called demons. So gods that they didn't recognize. These are uh, the daimones. And so that's where our word demon comes from. And uh, and now nowadays it means a follower of the devil, which is not good. But, but remember those, those beings that followed Satan were also uh, angels. At one point, they just chose the wrong guy. They exhibited loyalty to, uh, demonstrated they weren't on the team that Jesus was leading. And so, yeah, they're angels of the devil, but that's not necessarily what a demon or a daimones was when it was first talked about.
0: Good insight. Interesting, huh?
1: Yeah. Things well, have changed. Well, well, words
2: words are important because they mean things, right? They they represent ideas. And our words, our language is being gutted
1: and well, and anybody, right now. anybody that that is uh, beholden to or involved in any institutions, whether they be governmental, secular, educational, whatever, religious, it behooves us to look back at what it used to be versus what we believe it to be today, because things do change. That's the that's the one constant, as they like to say, that change is the one constant that you can depend upon here in this world of entropy. And it's happened to our constitution, right? The American government has gone through a great deal of entropy that's very clear we're not adhering to the original intent of our founding progenitors and the same thing occurs in all religions things change and you it's left to you the listener to you the the man adam or the woman eve or whoever you are you know the hero in your own story as we like to put it you must determine what the appropriate course of action you take is in your life. You're left to judge between what men say and what you think God is telling you. What what is correct and what's not. That's why would the test be any more why would it why would it be any less difficult than that? That's that's the whole point is to see if you are going to reconnect with that enlivening Numa, the spirit Or if you choose the earthly imitation, that's the, that's the thing.
0: Well, we've been going about an hour
2: 45. You know, we were talking a little bit about changing the subject, but we didn't. And I think that's for the better. Um, Maybe you want to just wrap up here with.
1: Well, I don't know. You got anything else to say? I feel like I've been talking a lot.
2: No, I've enjoyed listening. And uh, I, I think that, you know, it's. By the time we get this out, Holy Week will be halfway through, but I think it's an important. Um, I think it's apropos, uh, yeah. Uh, Joseph Smith in the King Follett Discourse said that it's important that we all ponder the, the, the question of what manner of being is God. And I think this is a good time of year. It's always a good time of year for that question, but this is an especially good time because we commemorate his, you know, the, Jesus's culminating act you know as as a you know when he came to the earth and and so we we remember that we think about it i think we should ponder on it i think we should even speculate a little bit about it and in this f- sense of what i mean by speculation is meaning uh, thinking on it thinking deeper on it
1: rather than just the the simple yeah, easter egg resurrection I story i would use the word speculation there because yeah po- solemn ponderous thought right. is something that joseph recommends in the king Follett discourse right? The things of God are of deep import. I don't know if it's in King Follett, but it's definitely in teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith. The, kings of, the things of God are of deep import, and only solemn, ponderous thought can find them out. Thy mind, O man, must stretch as high as the utmost heaven as, and as deep as the lowest abyss, and you must commune with God. I'm sort of paraphrasing there, but pretty mm-hmm. close. We must commune with God if you want to find your salvation. That's, that's essentially what he says. <clears throat> And so I, I wouldn't say it's speculation, it's, pon- it's pondering, it's, uh, it's working it out, it's, it's uh, meditation, it's, I mean, n- we can really get deep on this and ask what is real, right? Is, our, is not our entire life a speculation in a, in a way? Who was it? What, who was the poem that said, life is,
2: passes, life passes like a, like a dream? I know there's a lot of variations of it, but there's a, there's a poem that, that says something like that. It might have been Shakespeare. Um, by the way, just to get some absurdity that was brought to my attention just now out of the way <laughs> that I think should be mentioned, tomorrow is April 12th. Um, it'll be today or yesterday by the time you're listening to this, but uh, Spencer Cox is going to change the name of the state the nickname of the state of Utah, which is the Beehive State. is going to change it temporarily to the Be Kind State. The move is designed to draw awareness to the launch of a campaign developed by the Simnani Family Foundation to promote acts of kindness. I wonder how the Simnomni, Sim, Simnani Family Foundation has that kind of influence. But anyway, just some little, little news. So, But see, there's a lot of Again, words matter because a lot of really unkind lies and untruths and absurdities are being done in the name of kindness. Um, and I think like Governor Cox using pronouns is is an example of that. You might think that's harmless, but it's not harmless to, especially among kids, to feed that delusion that it's oak that that gender that what it, the 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 delusion is that gender is a fluid social construct and not something that is biological and divine to keep it somewhat on topic
1: well i think it's all i think it's all pertinent because as we have often talked here together about we're dealing with competing narratives right there's there are narratives that lead you away from truth and reality and from your gods and there are narratives that lead you well, there is a narrative, or generally, it's the, it's a, a singular narrative that brings you closer to God, and helps you to understand who you are. And so, I don't I don't think that uh, I don't think it's off topic. These are these are very relevant issues. Truth is married to wisdom. Truth is a is a very masculine concept. Jesus in the in the Doctrine and Covenant section ninety three says, "I am the Spirit of Truth," and he sort of alludes to the idea that he was in the spirit of tr- he was with the Spirit of Truth in the beginning, which maybe means his Father also is a Spirit of Truth, right? But we also have clearly established here that Old Testament writers thought that wisdom was feminine; it's a feminine word. In fact, in Greek, the word for wisdom is Sophia, mm-hmm. which is a very feminine.
2: Which is where the word philosophy comes Philosophia, from. Philosophia, yeah, love of wisdom.
1: Yeah, I heard uh, over the weekend from a friend that Pythagoras was one of the guys that coined that. They asked him what his beliefs are, or you know, and he says, "Well, I'm a I'm a lover of wisdom," and that was sort of when that phrase took off in Greece in probably three to five hundred BC. I can't remember when he was, but. But I yeah, I think I think that's that's perfect. <clears throat> th- these are all relevant. If if we're gonna try to divorce, like this is what I hate about, at least how I grew up. It just seemed like everybody wanted to compartmentalize our lives into business, government, education, recreation, and religion. Those mm-hmm. would be the broad groups. Sure. I mean, and and it's like somehow this idea. That you, that different rules applied in different places. I just feel like that—that's something that my generation, or I was—it's a prevalent idea in society. At least it has been during my life. It's like, oh, that's a religious thing. We can't talk about it. Rather than seeing ourselves as spiritual beings caught in a, a warlike reality, well, yeah. where where truth and evil are battling it out.
2: I think it's an important thing, and I I think that's one of the very first things we ever talked about on this podcast was how it's all related, right? For example, some people might scratch their head when when the LDS church spends a lot of money on a mall, and they say, well, no, that's just the for-profit arm of the church. It's it's a compartmentalization. Right, compartmentalize it it to rationalize some things that maybe may or may not be that, you know, appropriate for a Religious institution to engage in, and, and and vice versa, right? You have like Spencer Cox, who is a Mormon, who is LDS. He does things as governor that make you scratch your head, and then people say, "Well, no, he's he's doing that as the governor." Um, you know, Mitt Romney is another example, right? And and you can't compartmentalize it. There's just there 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 is you you are who you are. You are the whole picture. You can't. You can't be one thing on this day and another thing on the other day, and have them not affect
1: each other. Right? I think some people that listen to this might be like, "Oh, Bobby and Jordan are being critical of the church." Well, of course we are. You're supposed to be critical of everything in your in your life. You're supposed to look at everything with a little bit of a concern and be like, "Okay, well, what's what is going on here?" And that's not bad. That's not it, like if you don't look in the mirror and you if you're not critical of yourself. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't also be loving to yourself or you think whatever. Think I
2: want to look like this?
1: <laughs> but you, you need to do that. We need to be careful. We need to be concerned. We need to, we need to exercise discernment and discretion, and also. Be positive and try to try to be loving and kind and all that stuff together. But you can't you can't just be loving and kind and and permissive of everything. You can if you just change the name of the state to the be kind. state. I know. See, that's
2: why you're bringing it up. <laughs> you can just do that and then and then it, then you can tell everybody that you're kind.
1: Right. So so let's be clear here. Not, neither me or Bobby is telling you to leave the church or to go running running screaming from the or room. to not be kind. Well, right. Right. But also what by going through this exploration of the meta reality the the spiritual the history where we came from who we might who might who we might really be why we might really be here that's to help us think about what we are as an organization you there are many many people that influence the organization the big prevailing idea in Mormonism is that well I mean, we don't even call it Mormonism in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I'm a Mormon. I like the idea of, of claiming Mormonism. But the big idea is that somehow everything that happened since Joseph Smith was dictated by revelation, and that this institutional organization is exactly what God wants. And, you know, Joseph Smith was very. Uh, the, another idea is that the current leader of the church is somehow cut from the same cloth and on the same level as Joseph Smith. And we, we don't realize that up until about the David O. McKay era, when, when they talked about the prophet, they were referring to Joseph, not the president of the church. And so that's, right. a, that's a modern development that we call this guy the prophet. And now my understanding is you've got to refer to him as the beloved prophet or our beloved prophet. It's a little bit of a cult of personality that's developed there. That's not healthy for anybody, okay? right but but the the thing is that things have things have changed and they've been influenced by men in a lot of ways and we have as a bedrock and I am going to go here right now we have as a bedrock in the in the current culture this idea that stems from Wilf, Wilford Woodruff's addresses surrounding the the polygamy uh manifesto years 1890 they're, they're at the end of the Doctrine and Covenants. They were appended to the Doctrine and Covenants in 1981 when McConkie completed the new version of the scriptures, and they nobody they just kind of got slipped in there. But there's that statement that it's not in the program for God to allow me or any man who stands at the head of his church to lead you astray. That's something we all need to grapple with because that makes that that makes us believers in infallibility. We say, well, they're they're infallible men, but they can't lead the church astray. So we have a de facto infallibility that we're always. Fighting against here because as pertains to matters of salvation, somehow we can't be led astray by this organization. There's, there's an old uh, saying.
2: I don't remember where it came from, but it says, and I don't I, like. I don't know if the author of it was LDS or otherwise, but he said or she or it, it. Who cares? Right, where it came from, we can maybe look it up. But it says the Catholics preach that the Pope is infallible, but nobody believes it. The Mormons preach that the prophet is fallible, but nobody believes it right <laughs> and I just thought that's that's an it's interesting very accurate. it's an interesting insight into kind of our psyche and again, it comes back to what uh, I think one of the most important words and so, and words are so important, right One of the most powerful and important words of our day and age is discernment. What is discernment? It's how we know right from wrong, truth from lies and 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 again, it's why I I, I bring up Cox one because I I think it's he's he's fun and easy to he's lampoon. Lampoon-able. He's
1: he's <laughs> he's really terrible. Um, but how bad is it going to have to get for everybody to say, hey, it's getting bad l- and, in and Utah? And testa- we're talking religion and politics and education, and, and we see people rising up and say, and calling the bluff, right? Calling it out like, hey, no, 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 more. We're not going to go for that. If anymore. if
2: if you again, it's hard to gauge, right? But. Twitter. If Twitter's any indication, more and more people are realizing you tricked us, Spencer Cox. You ran on a lie, and the lie was that you were a, a conservative, you know, a traditional conservative Republican. And I know those are loaded terms these days and age. Again, words are important, but that's what he ran on. And you know, he he ran on oh, like education. There was uh, education-related billboards all over the freeway when he was running. What we know now is that meant he was running as a as a union candidate because he's done mm-hmm. you know he's very well favored by the National Education Association, the largest union in the United States, the NEA, the UEA, the Utah Education Association is a big fan of him and of course he's vetoed a school choice bill. He kept kids masked up longer than any other group in the state. The statewide mask mandate expired for everyone except school kids. Uh, that's something to keep in mind. It didn't expire until the school year ended 2 or 3 weeks later. Um he's pushed, you know, he's pushed the vaccine. He 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 gave the vaccine to teachers first before vulnerable older populations. Again, a, the vaccine effectiveness is neither here political. nor there, but it's but the point is like words are important and so is truth, okay? how about instead of the be kind state, we become the tell the truth state? Because truth trumps all else. Kindness, like, do you think people people want to act like nowadays, I call it the Jesus is my homeboy. Remember those old shirts from the 90s? The Jesus is my homeboy Christianity, where this it's this idea that, that Jesus was, was permissive and tolerant of all behaviors and that he was just this cool dude that like was like, yeah, let's just hang out, bro. You know, like some kind of hippie commune or something. He was extremely divisive. Let's be, let's tell the truth. He was a divisive, polarizing figure. He came and he told hard truths. He criticized the existing governments. He criticized the existing religious hierarchy. Mm -hmm. He was divisive. but well, If he had come and just been like, bro, yeah, let's I just... And they get, wouldn't have killed him. They well, you would not lo- have killed that's him. That's
1: right. And you get a lot of people in uh, LDSdom, let's call it, that want to say, yeah, but contention is of the devil. And they want to paint Jesus as a very uh, soft, effeminate, loving guy. Watch the church videos, you know? Right.
2: This is a man who, who turned tables over In 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 rage, I don't think he did that calmly.
1: I think it was controlled rage.
2: Yeah, I'm not saying he was out of control, but he was angry enough that he threw tables to the floor. That's a big deal. He was also, but again, his doctrines were divisive. They were divisive. That's the the bottom line. And the wrath,
1: the wrath of God, is a real thing. He didn't come.
2: (laughs) He he and he they were divisive because he spoke the truth and truth.
1: Is divisive. Well, and contention by nature. You know, you, you hear people say, "Well, don't contend. You can't. We can't make this contention or a contentious argument or whatever." You know, what those happened? of us that those of us that are defending truth, you've got to be careful because if you're going to be right, you better well be damn right because you're going to be stuck on that principle. But if you have truth and you know it's true, you need to hold to those principles, and we would not need to contend if they didn't bring the contention to us. You see what the difference here is? Yeah. He he defended truth, which creates—does it create contention, or is the contention already there because this world is already in rebellion?
2: Right. You're exactly right, and that's why we end up in situations like we are now where nobody wants to— Speak out about
1: because you've been common told to be nice.
2: sense things like what is a woman like because you've been told to be or, nice or calling out your governor for being an idiot and and using pronouns he, my pronouns are him him and him and him and it's like no when we don't defend the truth then this is what happens and we end up having truth eradicated from our culture which and our society. Which leads to destruction. <laughs> which leads to destruction. Which leads to pain and suffering. And death. It ultimately leads to death. Physical death, spiritual death, emotional, Fear. mental. Fear f- leads to just, anger.
1: <laughs> anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. That should be in a movie. Yeah. it's, But it's true. A movie now, all that all those... should be in. <laughs>
2: but it's... It, it, that's, why, that's why this stuff is so important. And that's why things like this yeah, uh, this idea that everything can just be wrapped up in a in a rainbow colored bow of kindness and acceptance, and compromise, and and compromise is not truth. Truth needs to trump all things. I don't know. I sent you a link. It was um Stephen Crowder. Do you know Stephen Crowder? Louder with Crowder. Yeah, he he's kind of an entertaining. Uh, he's got a, pro, I a YouTube that. program. I podcast. It about five
1: minutes. They had
2: some interesting insight about why church attendance is dropping. In the United States. And they didn't know exactly, but, you know, because they didn't study the numbers. And I'm sure there's a few different
1: reasons. It's just an off the cuff conversation, yeah, but they was... made some really good
2: points. And the ultimate, and we'll link to this, it says a little five minute clip. And the, and the bottom line that, they, that the group of guys that he, he meets with and talks to came to was that attendance in church is dropping because churches are not telling the truth. Right. And not he, they They for postulated.
1: Truth. They postulated. There's a ton of believing Christians out there, God-fearing people or whatever. Many of them don't go because the pastor or whoever is unwilling to address the elephants in the room. They don't say right. it that way, but the <laughs> idea is, if you go to church and they're not willing to talk about the reality of what's going on, you're left wanting, and so well, you. We saw this in you know, in the general conference last week.
2: The LDS general conference things were tiptoed around. You know, they used words like, conflict in the, in the, in the uh, Eastern Europe. The ravages of a pandemic. Or these tumultuous times. And they even bring up, like, uh, like, a lot of pastors will say something like, we need Jesus more than ever in these dark times. And he says, Stephen Crowder says, why? What are these dark times? Why do we need Jesus specific, more than yeah. other times? Be specific. Let's speak out about this deliberately and— you made very good points. Uh, and I thought it was a really insightful thing, especially from people that aren't, you wouldn't really consider... Religious. Religious. Like, I think he's a believer, but I, you know, he's talked about how he's kind of hopped around from church to church, because nothing is feeding that, that, that hunger that he has. And you've said this before, and I think it's the phrase that describes our time better than anything else, any, any other. It's, there is a famine of truth in the
1: land. and. That's Actually, it. that was Isaiah. But well, you've used he it a just lot. said there was a famine in the land, but yeah.
2: But there is. There is a famine of truth in, in the land, and we're trying to replace it with empty calories like kindness and tolerance and let's just love everybody. And those are all good principles, but they'd mean nothing yeah, if they're not
1: rooted in truth. Yeah, but also, we see, I know you see this. I just want to shout to the world don't you see that's how they're controlling you?
2: Uh, absolutely. But in the name of kindness and love and, and and tolerance and all the other words they're using, they are they are silencing you. Right, they are the, censoring this the, you. This
1: there. is the knife's edge, though, too, because the devil wants you to go run out and kill people, and he, he would love to have total chaos also. The only solution here is if the people simultaneously all repent, meaning change their minds, sit down and say, we're not going to play this game, right? The only solution. What Was it war games? What does he say? Um want to play a game? Uh, remember that with yeah, the old, David Broderick? Yeah, the, 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 com, the computer only, simulation. Right, the only solution to win tic-tac-toe is to not play. Right. And that's the, also the solution to thermonuclear war. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, exactly. But, that, but you're exactly right. We, we collectively, as Christians, as believers, as people who value truth, whether you're religious or not, if you value truth, you can't you, that's why you don't use pronouns. Using pronouns is playing the game, and it's, a, right. it's an unwinnable game. As soon as you say, I'm Spencer Cox, and I use well, he,
1: him, and his, you've lost. Well, you've lost lot, the game. In a lot of ways, voting for their candidates. Right. It, it, right. I, voting in a lot of ways is playing their game. I'm not saying you shouldn't vote, but but there's a time— like, <laughs> But as soon as you cannot win <laughs> when, this when game. You've got, when you've got the choice between r- Republican and Democrat, that's— that's part of the game. I mean, we need yeah, the, the, this mass repentance moment, this mind-changing moment where the people come out into the streets and they their neighbors shouted from the rooftops. It's like, "Yes, CNN is bunk and so is Fox News." Right, you've got you know, you've got things
2: you could you could have a decent nuanced conversation about whether or not you should vote. There is no nuance to whether or not there are men and women. There was another pastor, and bless this guy. I don't know who he was. I think I sent you the clip too. It's this this black pastor. And oh, I, that was great. That was I called, bring, that I, was
1: called April General Conference. Uh, yeah, it was called twenty twenty two. And I bring it up because it was
2: a black a black pastor in a in a black church. And I I I think that's relevant because it, it it fits with the the culture of of kind of that stereotypical what if, what black if our general church? conference
1: was like that because there were like guys th- this was like a a group of pastors wasn't it like because there was there was yeah. a bunch of people wearing yeah. the collars and they're like kind of like milling around like I thought there was like a mob forming yeah. and he's, and he's, he's getting the, excited and, and he's on the he's on the stand but then the guys are coming behind him they're all standing up and they're they're like, let's just and-
2: play it. Let's play it. I'll find it and play it, but it's, but it's, <laughs> we could, we could link to it. He, I he, don't know. I, you you want to
1: see the visual, Bobby. we will link to it for sure, okay, but, but I think
2: the audio is good too. But okay. the point is he's speaking truth, right? And I, I think we're enthused. Somebody, These guys on, were- somebody on YouTube called it general conference 20, April, 2022. And I don't know if that was literally what it, the name of it was, or if it was somebody sort of Take I sent a, that to a few friends on Sunday last week. Trying to see if I can if I can find it. Did I send it to
1: you in the mail? I think you the uh, email or the text. Oh, let me see here. I thought you texted it to me, because I texted it some to some friends. If I find it first, I will um
0: start playing it. But The point, the the reason we're bringing this up is, um,
2: it's. I think I might have found it. Did you find it? I've got it here. The reason we're bringing this up is that it's it's. Yeah, I found it. It's (laughs) it's relevant because again, here you have a pastor that is willing to tell the truth, and he's addressing, he's addressing the, the elephant in the room. I promise you that everybody goes to church, whether it's an LDS ward or otherwise, you know. They go to church thinking about these, these current trends and current events, and they wonder, how can we navigate through this world? How, what does God well, have
1: for me? Right, and Crowder and his buddies were saying, look, these are the she- they're supposed to be the shepherds, right? They bring up the a priests, really— The and, and and what we're lacking is leadership, actual leadership. They
2: bring up a really insightful uh, point when they say that you know CEOs and, and of huge companies and, you know men and women who lead giant companies and thousands of people and government leaders presidents of nations and other influential high roller type people go to church and by doing so submit their worldly pomp and circumstance to, to the pastor to the pastor yeah, to, to the a speaker. guy who who might earn $10,000 a year they're looking for something they're looking for this, and and yes, get uh, a severe lack of leadership, which makes me bring up Nibley's leaders versus managers again. But here's this guy, and I don't know his name. It's probably in the, it's probably in the, in here somewhere. But here we'll link to it so you can see the visual. But it's worth just playing because he says it better than anybody uh, at this table probably could.
0: i suppose to say, hey, but two gym.
1: Ain't but too genuine. Maybe turn it down just a little bit on your phone so it doesn't vibrate so much.
0: And I can already see WRL out there. They got they licking their pencils around. trying to write fiercest so that they can. Get every word of this here. Get every word of this. You can go to the doctor and get cut up. You can go down to the dress shop and get made up. You can go down there and get drugged up. But at the end of the day, you were just a drugged up, dressed up, made up, cut up, man or woman. You ain't changed what God put in
1: you. He goes on. He and, says, you, you ain't changed what God put in you.
2: And, you know, his his mannerisms and stuff, It's not that's not how, you know, a lot of Christian pastors teach. But that's well, the reason I bring up that he's Southern black Baptist. is because that's... That's it. It fits in, and you have people hooting and hollering and amen. And he's telling he's telling truth. He's telling the truth, and that's something that uh, we aren't hearing in very many places. He's telling the truth, and we need more of that. Without it, we're going to be destroyed.
1: Right. There's really no discussion about what's true. In media, in fact, I saw an article. I might have forwarded it to you today that the, the government, our government has admitted they're lying in order to try to influence Vladimir Putin. They're telling the public lies about what's going on and they're just admitting it. And a lot of people come out and say, that's great. It's part of the, part of the fight against Putin is that we get a bunch of lies. They tell us all these, this propagandistic stuff, lying about what's going on over there in Russia. Right. But, but it's a, a huge admission that, that, that these, uh, <laughs> the media and the government are complicit in lying to the public and they're doing it on a regular Just, basis and why to
2: stir us up to hatred to stir us up to war they're, they are literally con- creating contention where there shouldn't be any do you like Ralph Waldo Emerson
1: uh, I can't honestly say that I've read a lot of his stuff
2: I'll, I'll end our discussion today with a poem from him Okay. But before I do that, do you have any parting last well, shots? Well, is this about the dream? No. This this poem is called... Um, this, this poem is
0: called... I'm looking at it right now, but the title isn't listed. But you brought what,
1: up a poem about a dream, and I... Oh, re- that. Yeah. Did I you was find re- that? I was reminded of uh, Jacob in the book of Jacob, chapter 7. About. He says... I began to be old and and the record of this people being kept on the other plates of Nephi. Wherefore, I conclude this record declaring I've written it to the best of my knowledge by saying that the time passed away with us and our lives passed away like as it were unto us a dream. We being a lonesome and solemn people, wanderers, cast out from Jerusalem, born in tribulations, in a wilderness, hated of our brethren, which caused wars and contentions and we mourned our days. So uh, the this dreamlike i mean when you realize this stuff it's rough and I, I know there's peace god can give you peace he can give you comfort uh the gods that that feminine influence can give you comfort and but but when you realize what you're doing here in the in the war world the dreamlike state it it is like a dream and it is it is difficult uh but but again you hopefully you will have a great experience in the next week C- contemplating the greatness of our God and the light that he brings and the light that the spirit brings, the Numa, and, and really have that resonance during this Easter time of year. That's all I wanted to say, because it is, it is tough. And it is like Jacob says, Oh man, <laughs> it's like we're caught in, you know, but we are. We're, but if you're warriors in the Lord's host, again, to back up your comments about God being more than this effeminate, you know, new Testament Jesus figure that you see in the movies or you you see people talk about. He's the Lord of the hosts, the Lord of the war hosts of the armies of heaven. That's, that's where that language comes from. This is an, a militaristic type of a thing. And there is a war going on and he will come and burn the earth and he will come with those in glory who come and burn the earth. he's, he is a great God. Our God is a consuming fire. Like Paul says, and um, we should rejoice and glory in that and recognize that there are brighter horizons ahead, more real, more vibrant, more enduring uh, horizons ahead. And so I just wanted to point that out because you brought up the dream thing. But let's let's yeah. end with Emerson here. I'm glad you
2: found that because that was the phrase I was thinking of. And it wasn't Shakespeare. It was uh,
1: Jacob, who is maybe even more poetic than an, Shakespeare. An, an old, I, I wouldn't call him a prophet. I'd call him uh, an, a Nephite temple priest, after the manner of the first temple of Solomon, which Nephi did construct a a replica of. Well, I think Jacob uh, is extremely um, literary in the sense that, you know, a lot
2: of of his writings are allegorical or metaphorical and uh, poetic. They're quite poetic. He has a lot of—he can turn a phrase. Yeah, yeah. Well, so can Ralph Waldo Emerson, and I think he wrote a poem called Be of Good Cheer, and it says, Be of good cheer, brave spirit. Steadfastly serve that low whisper thou hast served. For know, God hath a select family of sons, now scattered wide through earth. And each alone, who are thy spiritual kindred, and each one, by constant service to that inward law, is weaving the sublime proportions of a true monarch's soul. Beauty and strength, the riches of a spotless memory, the eloquence of truth, the wisdom got by searching of a clear and loving eye that seeth as God seeth. These are their gifts, and time who keeps God's word brings on the day to seal the marriage of these minds with thine, thine everlasting lovers. Ye shall be the salt of all the elements, world of the world. Excellent. Yeah, Emerson was good.
1: Yeah, wow. well Bobby.
2: be of good cheer, brave spirits. Happy Easter. And share the podcast.
1: Yeah. B- brave spirits, sons of God, scattered far and wide, whoever whoever you are, be realize who you are and be that.
2: Definitely. Amen. Thank you, everybody. We love you. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you again next week.